Welcome to Real Real Quick, a podcast on learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable and how to tell your trauma to fuck right off. I'm Ramen. I'm Harina. So let's get started. Welcome back to Real Real Quick. I'm Harina. I'm Ramen. And today we have a super special guest with us. His name is Indervir Sudt. Now I'm messing up your last name. We literally had a discussion right before we hit record about how people always butcher his last name and I got it right while I wasn't uh, On- while I wasn't recording and now I did it. Anyways, his name is Indervir Sordi. And he's there, we a, go. there, there right, we right go. there. I got it. Yeah, he's a Canadian filmmaker. He's 21 years old. He's also a music composer and an actor. Um, his creative endeavors reach as far back as his childhood. He used to shoot like films at home with his family, with his family's camera. Um, and now he, uh, sorry, he he spent most of his high school years creating short films, writing theater productions, and scoring background music also performing solo and ensemble musical concerts. Um, we Today, we're going to be discussing his second long production, which is called Monster, and it was released this year in 2019. Um, it's a project with music that's inspired by and from his directorial debut, um, Monster, which is a coming-of-age drama based on gang violence, in Surrey um, and was written by him, also stars him and um, you're like the main role, mm-hmm. right? Was that okay? Did did I do, we've we've had a couple uh, different iterations of this uh-huh. and I, yeah, mm-hmm. so. It's all fine. <laughs> we'll correct anything in the podcast. <laughs> That's great. I might even go back and just like re-edit the entire thing, but who but knows? you guys don't edit. No, yeah, but no. we don't edit. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's real, real quick, right? right? <laughs> we both said right at the exact right? same time yeah. um so first of all tell us a little bit about yourself mm-hmm. who you are um what you do and then yeah then we'll get more into it i always say that you guys should ask me the questions and i'll hit them at you because i always have this thing in my head where i'm like hi i'm interview sodi yeah i'm 21 years old <laughs> so, <laughs> okay then so the list goes on. why don't we do it like this so uh-huh. before um we had been before we kind of hit record, you had told us that you were 21 and that, you know, this is the whole like music composing thing and all of that's been like a huge part of your life. And I also read mm-hmm. on your ID. IMDB. IMDB. Did I say correctly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, that's, that's like special website stuff that like actors and musicians use. Us like normal tins. Not so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but anyways, I saw that like, you know, throughout high school you've kind of been doing that you've also had was it you've had another ip or sorry an lp as well yeah previous to this that was my first project so that was your first project Uh um what kind of drove you to do this after high school Mm -hmm. and as you mentioned um not take the conventional route of yeah going to school going to like going to school getting your degree just kind of following that linear path so funny story when i was in grade uh nine and ten i was like an engineering nerd and i wanted to uh and i also wanted to be an astronaut like that was my thing and no one ever associated art music with me yeah like you know um but i had i had discovered it in like in grade nine um that's when i started learning how to play the piano sing uh started making short films in our media class in high school Mm -hmm. um and I enjoyed it a lot because I love storytelling. I didn't realize I liked all these things much until much later, but I was always doing them. Yeah. Um, and I think it was in grade 11 and 12 where I was just so fascinated by it um, and the ability to create. Because why I liked engineering was creating, and this was another form of it. Um, yeah, and it was in grade 11 and 12 where I knew that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so two things, I think, um, contributed to where I am now. One of them was I got my heart broken in grade 12. And that's what what led me to the the first LP, Carnival. Mm. It was my first album, which was based on my experiences with that, Heartbreak, and I wrote that. Um, And I had discovered a school in the U.S. called Berkeley for music. Mm -hmm. I auditioned. Um, I remember, it's just weird to think about. 
I'm not trying to be offensive, but when I went to the audition, there was all these Asian kids there. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, with their parents, and they seemed like they knew what they were doing. And I was, like, the only brown kid. Not that it matters at the audition. And I was, like, yeah, I'm not going to get in. Because it's, like, mm-hmm. a really prestigious school. I think yeah. their acceptance rate is, like, 10%. Oh, wow. So I got in. And my parents, thank you, but yeah. my parents couldn't afford to send me. Okay. So I ended up going to SFU, but also for music and film. Yeah. Well, it was primarily music. I did two semesters and I dropped out just because I felt I wasn't learning anything new and it just um, was creatively limiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did two semesters. I dropped out. And so wh- while I was doing the two semesters is when I finished my first album, released it, dropped out, and then I started Monster. Um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of so one thing I love about everything that you have said um, is, first of all, you're 21 and for you to like know what your passion is and that you kind of already had honed that in and mm-hmm. knew exactly where you wanted to go with that mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing because I am fresh. I'm not even fresh 30 anymore. I'm turning 31 in two months. You don't look, like a, you don't look that old. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That old. Yeah. Oh, not like that old. I was going to say they over 20, but that would be like oh, too much. <laughs> You're 19. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take whatever's thrown yeah. at me. But um, I feel like for me, it took a really long time and I'm still kind of figuring out what my passion is and what I want that to look like. And mm-hmm. so honestly, I applaud you for that. Mm-hmm. The second part is like being accepted into a, a school like um, Berkeley. And then unfortunately, like, you know, not being able to afford going there, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people would almost let go of their dreams and their passions at that point and be like, well, I guess that's it for me. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. there's that dream. And so I I think that that's absolutely amazing because I I feel like if I was your age um, and I think back to kind of what my mindset was then, Mm -hmm. um, I definitely would have just given up and been like well that was fun while it lasted so like good for you because I like I feel like that just shows a lot of integrity and just a lot of belief in yourself that a lot of people don't have so Mm -hmm. kudos to you on that Mm -hmm. definitely easier to um get a almost like a think of it as a sign to say hey I'm not gonna pursue this because I don't have the funds or means for it right I I always think back um to all those things and it's not that like um everything was smooth yeah. it all had its bounds i mean when that happened i was like man i'm not gonna be able to do this anymore mm-hmm. because that was the only it seemed like the only viable way to pursue this was through a school yeah um and i remember i was going to resort to architecture because I, I really enjoyed that because again it's creating so anything where i get to build something um i enjoy so um i discovered sfu's program which, I mean, it didn't really turn out great because I dropped out. But I, I just, um, one thing that's kind of always helped me is I have this innate ability to want to learn and just, um, I learn very quickly. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like how I learned how to play piano in two months. So okay. I just learned, I just, I think that's my one thing that I can say I'm talented at. I'm learning, learning things fast. Yeah. And I have this, like, don't give up attitude. And that started in high school because so uh, when I was in, like, grade nine or ten, um, I used to spend my, spend my lunch hours just in the band room and playing piano and stuff like that with uh, with Tarek actually yeah and a couple other people and um, we'd have a lot of people in my grade who would just come by to the band room and they'd kind of like I don't, I don't want to use bully that's a bit too much but they'd kind of insult you yeah you know yeah. stuff like that um, and I always I don't know where this comes from I don't know which parent I got this from but I had this well I'll show them I'll keep on doing it I'll get yeah. better and better and by the time grade 12 came, those conversations were like, bro, can you play that song for me? I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. okay, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's that's... almost like changing. What's the word I'm looking perspective. for? Your perspective. Your yeah. perspective or approach to how. Yeah, it's kind of the approach, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you could have taken that in such a negative way. And mm-hmm. again, right? I feel like society is just built. And I, I can't, mm-hmm. honestly, this is not where I thought this conversation was going to go. Yeah. And I'm very happy it's going this yeah. way. Right. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people would take that and think people, like the world is filled with, we always talk about instant gratification, right? Everybody wants to be liked. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be accepted. Yeah. And I feel like you almost took that and you were like, you know what? If you don't like and accept me, that's totally fine. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. 
and just that natural ability to feel that way mm-hmm. and like think that way about yourself mm-hmm. you were able to attract people to be like yeah like you know it- that's a good way to put it i think um all the projects I've done are like complete opposite to instant gratification because you know you don't know if your movie's gonna turn out well. Yeah. If you're even gonna be able to finish it. Yeah. You know, um, even with albums and music, it's the same thing. Are they gonna like it? Or are they not gonna like it? Um, but I always look to my role models, and uh, it's the same thing like with them. You know, they no one liked them in the beginning, and yeah. then yeah. Get a little bit success and a little bit more, then they fail and a little bit more. Like it's yeah, yeah. you can't predict. Those things. Tell tell us a little bit about your role models. I'm very interested now. So <laughs> I have a bunch, but there's one man I always go back to, which is Steve Jobs. Okay. Yeah, and even though we're in completely different uh, uh, work at fields or whatever, um. It's just his, um, there's a lot of things I've learned from him that I've applied to the way I do things. So like his ability to get people focused on a singular vision. So when I was working on Monster, it was finding people I've never met before and getting them, convincing them or selling them on, on the idea I had for the film and working with them. And they worked voluntarily for like six months or like almost a year, you know, and mm-hmm. having them in the same room every Thursday yeah. and rehearsing and keeping the same energy alive throughout the six months. Like that kind of leadership is stuff I've learned from Steve Jobs. Yeah. I'm also marketing your film because we sold out the shows in the minute. Yeah. So all the things of how to do it and like mm-hmm. so how his marketing applied to his products, how I apply it to my film. Uh, to be very honest, I have this weird thing where I look at my uh, art as product though. Yeah. Uh, the way either label or packaged or the design, the aesthetic. So my aesthetic sense also comes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my role models aren't really from the film world. Yeah, they're just more people that you... Who've changed things. Yeah, yeah. who've changed things, whether... yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be in music or theater or yeah. anything like that. It's more of, like, a... Like you had mentioned, like, the whole, like, architecture building side of things. And actually, when you said that, I had the weirdest deja vu. It was almost like I'd had that conversation before, and I was like... <laughs> Have I had this conversation before? I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so the yeah, Matrix is breaking. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly oh, what it is. Uh, Mercury. Oh, Mercury retrograde. <laughs> Mercury yeah. retrograde is a little weird. <laughs> it wouldn't cause the show. I no. know. No, Mercury um, yeah. retrograde is a weird. I'm like mm-hmm. super like into that whole. This is this is the universe and like My astrology. Super into astrology. Yeah, she got me hooked on it. So yeah, I have this. Thing where I subconsciously try to guess people's zodiacs when I see them. Okay, guess oh, mine. I was yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Can I at least get a hint if it's earlier in the in the year or later in the year? Like earlier in the year. Later. Are you a Pisces? No, I am not. <laughs> what are you? I'm an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I was close yeah. though. Yeah, you were. Close. I was very close. You were close. <laughs> what about? You're definitely Ren? end of the year birthday, right? Yeah. Are you a Scorpio? No. No. Okay. I, I, I am. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Are you a Libra? No. Okay. Then I give up. What are you? I'm the really long one. Sagittarius? My sister's a Sagittarius. There you go. My husband's a Sagittarius. But you're nothing like a Sagittarius. I always think I am. No, Sagittarius people are like rough and like. I thought that was yeah. they're, just, they're very impatient. Yes. Oh, and I'm the total opposite. Like you're I, like the everyone. I don't believe in Zodiacs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that's submit. Oh my gosh. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I met somebody today and I ended up having like a half an hour conversation. Like, can I hug you? Oh my god. Like, oh my gosh. You are definitely I'm not a Sagittarius. So my sister if she was here, she'd be like, but you don't know the person's moon sign and yeah. the other signs. And then this Because side. that's true, right? Yeah. So you have all these other signs. But anyway, like going back to kind yeah. of what we were saying. Yeah. Um so Aquarius so- are obviously the better people. Oh, obviously. Yeah. I mean we're creative and we're we we want to actually i don't know if we want to be liked <laughs> i feel like we just don't give a shit about who likes us which is like a double negative one thing that i'm not very crazy is i'm i'm very emotional i don't know if crazy are emotional people no you know what yeah. apparently so over the things that i've read they're like aquarius people are like not overly emotional they don't know how to show their emotions i cry over everything yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well i guess everything. you guys have some mm-hmm. heart and it doesn't <laughs> leave us alone <laughs> But anyways, tomorrow is the beginning of Mercury retrograde, which means everybody's communication is going to be shitty and off, and my ass is going to get kicked because I get fucked during the retrograde. uh, It's Halloween tomorrow, right? Yeah, but the retrograde's lasting until like... I was told next month is my luckiest month of the year. Because it's November. Yeah, but I don't know, man. 
Anyways. Chalo. Okay. Chalo. Let's go. <laughs> so um, we're talking a bit about uh, your mentors and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I kind of want to get into um, the gist of, of the film right. and where that came from and what mm-hmm. that looks like. So do you just want to tell us a little bit about the film? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to quote my IMDb page. Let's go. Monsters are coming of age drama based on gang violence and story. But yeah, that the key word is coming of age. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we've seen films that are made and they either glamorize the violence or they don't um, hit the nail on the head when it comes to depicting story culture. So coming of age means that you see the character in the film from when he's 10 years old to 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. So you see his whole lifespan. Okay. And I want to create a film that provided like an empathetic lens to see these kind of people that we get you often get stereotyped yeah they often get stereotyped or so i want to present them as human as possible and like humanize them like that's the that's the term because well, they are humans yeah right? and so often they don't get treated that way yeah. or perceived that way even and so this movie again i don't want to make a, an educational movie to bash you on the head with a message yeah you know, i'm not trying to make a documentary it's end of the day it's still an entertaining drama that just so happens to have this social issue attached to it yeah um, I think if you guys see the trailer, you get that sense of it's just like, um, it's just a film. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll link the trailer in our show notes. I'll be sure to do that. Um, it's a great trailer. There's a lot of little um, uh, it's I felt like watching it. Um, it did kind of like pull on the heartstrings, but then at the same time, there was a little bit of um, uh, of humor in it. So mm-hmm. I I thought that that was. It's very much. It's very like. Um, Similar to the movie in that sense. There's yeah. parts where, like, you're laughing and then all of a sudden you're just, like, it's choked up oh, from the emotion. Yeah. 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 And these, these are the words of people. And because I don't have any objectivity to the movie. I've, I've edited it. So I've seen it a billion times. So I don't know where to cry, where not to cry. Yeah. I used to when I first see it, saw it. But now it's just kind of very neutral to me. So when I see people in the theater watch it, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I got it. Yeah. yeah, like it, it, like it, it all kind of pieces together exactly. and, and makes sense. No, of course. Um, what or something? Oh, um, I feel like I'm. <laughs> I no, feel like in, I've just kind of like this. gone into this. Um, actually, what I want to move into is like, is there a specific? Did you ever have a specific moment or like trigger that inspired you? You're like, this is what I want to write about. Mm-hmm. Was it a moment or was it like an ongoing, um, topic that mm-hmm. you kind of felt drawn towards like what what was it i always say that it's my relationship with my mom mm-hmm. but i think that often gets kind of like misinterpreted to what i mean by that mm-hmm. um i don't have any friends who are involved in that lifestyle i wasn't or anything um it's just something i've seen from afar growing up yep. um when i say relationship with my mom it's like i have i'm very lucky to have a very close relationship with her and warmth in my family mm-hmm. uh, and it's the idea that a lot of guys have that, a lot of people have that, and someday parents gotta lose their kids, yeah, and they have to re- live the rest of their life not uh, without the, with their kids, mm-hmm. and there's nothing that can bring them back, no money, no claim, yeah, and it's that emotion that sort of uh, drove the idea of the story, and then I wrote the story based off that kind of emotion, yeah, and and it was a, a few other films again, not gang violence movies, it's just other some Punjabi movies and some Hollywood films I've seen that have a similar kind of theme in the film. One of them is Moonlight. Um, and I won't name the Punjabi ones, it's too many. And it's kind of weird. It's, it will be hard to connect why yeah. why those ones. But I think it's especially the music in Punjabi movies that made me gravitate towards the story. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I wrote the story. Um, but all the music, the background score in the film is completely in Punjabi, even mm-hmm. though it's an English language yeah, film. Because yeah. when I watch different kinds of cinema, I've seen a lot of cinema from uh korea and stuff like that and they always hone their culture even though it's like it might be an english film or if they have to put english subtitles so i'm trying to appeal to a mass audience so it's in english yeah but there's punjabi in certain parts and it's authentic uh and all the music is in punjabi just because i feel that's the texture of that film yeah um i think punjabi music helped me bring out the emotions of the film and it also kind of um illustrate the culture of surrey Mm -hmm. yeah Um, you kind of uh, touched on the relationship that you have with your mom. And I know that the film kind of, you had mentioned it, it discusses growing up um, as a child and then kind of like into your teens and then kind of mm-hmm. like what we would call an adult, but yeah. Punjabi parents would still call you a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and kind of like how that environment shapes um how all of that kind of 
entices people to become a part of that gang violence Mm -hmm. kind of sphere. Um, How did you kind of, like, I know that you said that your mom had a lot to do with that, but without going too much into what the movie's about, like, how did you use, how did you portray that, like, across the board? Because I feel like everybody's relationships in Indian families are quite different. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about having a very loving, caring family. Not necessarily. Yeah. I think my relationship with my mom was that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it's just that, um, and nor is the nor is the relationship portrayed in the film the one that I have with my mom. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea of the film came from that. Okay. Um, it came from like that. The relationship I have with my mom made me think about the the possibility of the opposite. Yeah. Or if that was to break. Because sometimes uh, you have parents who love their kids um, and the kids themselves don't um, aren't aware of that or they don't embrace it. Mm-hmm. So the kid can go, but the parents still have that love for their children yeah. in their hearts. Yeah. So it's those things. But the film itself goes through all the harsh and nitty gritty stuff that we talk about and hear mm-hmm. about in families yeah. and, and friends and culture. Yeah. yeah. And how would you say like a relationship between a mom and parent can influence which direction an individual can? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I need to be a little bit louder, guys. <laughs> um, anyways, how how do you think a relationship between a mom and parent can impact an individual? Like, especially growing up in this community here, uh-huh. how can that relationship? Because as you verbalized, your relationship with your mother had some sort of impact on how you came about into living your life uh-huh. till this day. And and same with my like myself and those around me. But how would you say that relationship impacts any individual? Um, I think one thing is that sometimes we end up, and I've seen it happen all the time, where we end up um, choosing one issue to be the the problem mm-hmm. why gang violence exists for Western individuals become gangsters. I hate using that word um, because for one thing, in my movie, I've tried to make everyone look like just real people. Like, it just so happens that they end up having a gun or they shoot someone. But, like, when you watch them, you're like, they're just, like, my brother, my sister, or myself. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to make them just normal teenagers. Because I think nowadays, it's not the 90s. It's not organized gang violence or crime. It's more like the majority of what we call gang violence is um, stupid teenagers doing stupid things for stupid reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's the movie's trying to break down why that is and how that can go. So some people will say, oh, it's just the parents that should have done a better job or it's the school, or it's the friends. And honestly, it can be any combination of those things. And my film tries to go through everything and not pick any one single thing out. So it's a very great film. Yeah. Um, I don't try to uh, pinpoint the children, the parents, the school, or this or that. Yeah, so I guess um, it's like overall how the environment shapes, yeah, I think how many a, factors Yeah, shape. And, and all those factors raise a children. I mean, raise a child. Like, mm-hmm. it takes a whole village to raise a child. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah. It can't just be the parents. I mean, there's some parents who don't even work, or in, and they're always there, and their kids still do something like that yeah so yeah. it's a mixture of different things um and i think my film says that it's the entire environment and the accumulation of all those different elements to why a certain individual grows up to be a certain way mm-hmm. um again there's nature versus nurture i mean it can't just be in the environment sometimes uh, a person does have choices within themselves that they have to make mm-hmm. um i think like you said i could have made a different choice at some points in my life to do to not pursue this yeah i guess i chose this you know it's just a matter of making the right choices and um, and the environment you grew up in. Yeah. 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 Totally. yeah no, I, I completely like, I, I think choices and kind of like not like kind of veering away from the film and just talking about like choices. And I, like I, I said, I, I give you like huge kudos for, because that like, you know, all of that, right. You could have just been like, all right, I'm done. And so it's so refreshing to see that. Um, and, uh, I think in a lot of different situations in our lives, um, we all forget that we have choices. Just mm-hmm. in in just every in general day. everyday mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. And I I always like I always try to break that down for myself and the people that I love. Like I'm always like, look, like we all have choices and sometimes things happen and mm-hmm. it's like how do you kind of navigate through that and still make it to where you want to be? Mm-hmm. Right? It may not be exactly where you want to be, but I always talk about how things kind of get you life kind of gets you where you need to be at the end of the day as long as you 
are following kind of your heart. And I, I see. One thing I do is don't people always ask me like, how do you know how to do certain things? I just end up learning them, but it's yeah. my, I always follow my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always followed my heart in everything. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a mixture of following your gut and just, I, I guess I'm so passionate about it that nothing ever stops me from like, yeah. if I don't have something, I'll go, go and get it. If I don't know something, I'll learn about it. Mm-hmm. Being 21, like, I feel like most 21 year old guys that I know are like, let's go to the club. I was going to say, let's go to Obar. I don't even know if Obar exists anymore. That's how old <laughs> I am. That, that sounds is, like right? one of the characters in the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, like, I feel like, like, that's kind of the average 21 year old that I know that like, is just going off and like, Oh, like, let's go drinking this weekend or let's go do this. Um, where I was kind of going with that is like, I, where was I going with this? <laughs> Okay. I am a goldfish. It is like a well-known fact. So I forget things like this. Um, I literally have the attention of a gold of a goldfish. But um, back to what I was saying. Um, just at twenty-one, like what drives you to think the way you think? Because I think, man, like I can go back to twenty-one. If yeah. something happened, it was the end of the world. Like yeah. that, I can no, no, tell no, you. no. It's still the end of the world for me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but as in, like, like say, um, gratitude wise, I'm just looking at my own personal experience when I was younger. It's almost easier to say, um, "Oh, I got a no, so I'm not going to pursue it." Yeah. And where did you get that from? Like, did that come from your mom? I don't know. So like, the whole, like, he's she... like, I follow my heart. I'm like, no freaking 21-year-old oh, brown dude is going to be like, I follow my heart. Like, yeah. my, um, my parents. I think it's great, by the way. Thank you. Just yeah. FYI. Like, that's why I'm like, I'm in shock. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even hear, like, 30-year-olds saying, I'm going to follow my heart. Like, that is just so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, start. so my parents aren't musicians or anything. They're yeah. not motivational speakers. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't like in the house saying, follow your guys' heart. Um, no brown parents. I had to like, convince my mom to. For, <laughs> I had to convince my mom for her to. Um, I mean, my mom is my biggest supporter, mm-hmm. but it, it took a while for her to get here. So uh, I remember when I uh, told her I wanted to pursue this. See, I know my mom so well that. I don't know. She's just special in the sense that she always supported it, yeah. but she couldn't support it because of her circumstances with her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her fear wasn't interview wants to go to music. It was like, how do I convince dad? Yeah. Um, Dude, that's such a brown uh, kid problem. Yeah. That is such a brown kid yeah. problem. Yeah. So like uh, you can tell your mom, but your dad may not know yeah. about it. Yeah. So he he um, oh, he might still think I go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure he does not yeah, go on the internet. Does he have Facebook? <laughs> You came to the premiere, so I think he assumed that I made a movie and go to school at the same time. <laughs> um, but uh, I made my first album, and no, no, sorry, sorry, I I got into Berkeley. That was my first way of proving to my mom, like, hey, I'm serious about this. And then I didn't give up, and that, and so every step was just a way of proving to my mom. And I think it was by the time I released, I think it wasn't until Monster when yeah. I finished Monster, and no, I think she knew I was shooting some movie and doing something. And like doing rehearsals, but when she saw the movie, I remember she was like, "That's when she was fully like, yo, this, this is real.'" Yeah. It, it, I mean, I had it, it. took a long time to get here, but she she was always supportive. But I think it wasn't until this film that she realized what I made because I tried what I made wasn't just for my generation that you could connect with it. And mm-hmm. when she heard the music of the film, yeah, I, I think that's the thing that she can understand the the best because yeah. it's in Punjabi. And then she was like, "But so." That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Man, we are going to call this episode what you can learn from a 21-year-old because yeah. our audience is like, I would say, I want to say like 25 plus. Yeah. I mean, I just go, sorry, I feel like I didn't answer your question. When you guys asked me, where do I get it from? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, it's just something that's just hardwired uh, in you, but that's but, such an amazing but I thing. Feel like, but I feel like that's also kind of, it might be a bad thing to say because then some people might feel that, oh, well, I guess I don't have it. I'm not going to do it. Mm, I think it's just something I've accumulated over years. I had a, I had a phrase that I came up with like like 20 seconds ago. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't it. say it. But then <laughs> 20 I, seconds ago. Love it. At least he's fucking 20, honest. 21 <laughs> seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> it was that um, I feel like I'm the kind of guy who, again, you know, we didn't have Instagram wasn't that popular way back when I was in high school, I think. Um, 
I was making myself sound like sound so old, even though I'm not. Yeah. You're just an old soul. He's a fucking. Oh, I'm very soul. old soul. That's why. That's why. Like uh, that. That's why I had the breakup happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, um, I'm the kind of guy who, when you, when I would read those like really corny like quotes, like mm-hmm. follow your heart, I took all that shit too seriously. <laughs> that's why. Dude, <laughs> half my shit is quotes. It's like yes, it's like go follow, like go follow your heart. Today, I'm like, what am I gonna do yeah. to follow my heart? I just watched <laughs> like a, yeah. like I love just YouTubing Steve Jobs behind the scenes videos and just watching him talk. Yeah. Like I just yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Did and, you watch the the Netflix doc? About or no, that's about Bill Gates. Holy shit! Ah, confusing Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have an Android. Okay, I'm not an Apple individual. We gotta end the podcast then. <laughs> that's it. It's yeah. done. Yeah. There you go. It's um, over. You don't like me anymore. Uh, I don't look. I don't look. Uh, twenty. What did you say? Twenty. A day over twenty. A day over twenty. <laughs> now I look like I'm forty. Great. Um, I think it's that plus growing up, I didn't really have many friends. So I didn't have really have um, any peer pressure to take seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a mixture of all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like it's weird. Like now I think back to it. It here's the thing. Steve Jobs said this. He said you can't forget what he said exactly, but he said um, it will never make sense looking forward. But when you look back, all the dots connect perfectly. Yeah. And when I look back, I'm like, like obviously this had to happen. But yeah. Going forward, you don't know. I remember when I was in kindergarten. Um, we get um a piece of paper and some colors you could draw i used to take that piece of paper and i'm like thinking back to it now i'm like that's actually really crazy but <laughs> back in the day i was like whatever i used to take that piece of paper and i used to fold it and i used to make like a pinball thing right poke holes into it yeah i started drawing a picture i turned it into like a game wow yeah, and then in my yeah. drafting class where we were supposed to make t-shirts i made like a mini arcade machine mm-hmm. like now i think back to it, I'm like oh yeah. that makes sense how i was i was always into building products yeah like, things like that creative portion of it, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and how each simp like each task growing up, you decided to take yeah. it and turn it into something. I think I got a credit it to my parents for showing me the right movies or cartoons as a kid. Maybe that's about <laughs> it. How your environment shaped who you are. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm never the guy you can ask how yeah. how are you. I just yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how I am. I just want to say like I absolutely love. Because I have to talk. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, no. You, I you feel like half say the, your thing. All of it, you guys are like saying like this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm always like, well, this is the reason I don't have friends. No, <laughs> no. Okay, but see, we're also older. We're like we want our friends to be like this. <laughs> all of our friends are like one of my friends messaged me. She's like why are you always talking about this like weird mercury retrograde stuff like just stop and i'm like what is real <laughs> like, what are you that's right i'm dark right he doesn't believe it we have a special um uh, individual here his name is Tarek. i just want to give a shout out to him he is our guest he's- oh and um he's pretty awesome so yeah. he was my um Okay, so funny story. Tarek was my assistant director on the film. Mm-hmm. He was also, he doesn't speak Punjabi, but he did all the Punjabi subtitles in the film. Whoa. Okay, wait, now you gotta jump in the conversation. Yeah, so you gotta get like. Tarek Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so Talk as, louder. Yeah, I'll try to be loud. I can do that if need be. Yes. Okay. So, as somebody who doesn't speak Punjabi, how did you do Punjabi subtitles? Like, well, how did old you use Google how Translate? Old are you? 19. And oh all you have to do to translate, I think it's translation and understanding are very different concepts. So to translate, you need to just get a dictionary and you need to understand the grammar of the language. Now in this case, here's my dictionary. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We need to add, he is taking linguistics yep. at SFU. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Spot so, on. Yeah. So to translate, you just need to know how the grammar works. And the thing is, this guy's my dictionary, interviewer. So if I didn't know a word, I'd say, what's this word? And then I understand how Punjabi word order goes and how the grammar works. So I can figure it out from there and I can translate effectively. And then also what you do is we translate literally, you go through it again and translate it so it's into nicely worded English. So sometimes Punjabi sentences, well, pretty much every time. They don't yeah. make any sense in English. We translate literally. It's like when you put an English word into the Punjabi translation on yeah. Google and it's like, you're like, so no, I'll give an example. So we, there's a song in the film. The first line of the song is, Dukki tikki puri rakhiya lakit thalaya. I understand what that means in Punjabi. It's a tough I don't shot. even know. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, like, I, like, like, I, I know the word yeah. individually, but yeah. the actual. So I'll use a different like, line. I'll use yeah. a different line. <laughs> There's a line that says "churdeni chande taiyon balle balleya," which yeah. means like, you know, literally it means my flags are waving. That's why I'm so cool and my. But you can't. How do you translate that word for word? Yeah. 
so uh, oh, oh, someone who doesn't understand Punjabi or like the nuance of Punjabi songs. But it's like it. you know when your parents tell you like a joke in Punjabi and, and then you, you like try it. to translate no, it you to can't. your white friend yeah. and then you're like, oh shit, that was so much funnier in Punjabi. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. instead of translating <laughs> that, Tariq translated that line into my reach is wide because that's all the essence of the line is that you don't have to explain that my flags are waving and this that's all it was so oh, wow. he ma- he simplified things so that a person who doesn't speak Punjabi understands what the song is saying mm-hmm. oh my god so neat that's an example of the line god I feel so dumb right now <laughs> <laughs> got a 19 year old like linguistics genius well he's my only then- friend <laughs> well, I feel like that's a pretty cool friend to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me and Marina have each other, but that's about nothing. <laughs> Shout out to everybody. All you need is one. Good no, I, I think just like overall, this is actually a really. I don't think Tar considers me a friend, though. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> who is he he's the standing he's outside the guy I work with <laughs> yeah picked him off the street while he's coming here he's doing a paper um, at SFU on the Surrey accent there's never yeah. been a paper done on that before so he's dissecting what a Surrey accent is because there's a whole um structure behind that that he's yeah. working on yeah, wait, 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 wait 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 so when we're talking about sorry and I no, totally no, no. interrupted you there when you're talking about a Surrey accent are yeah. you talking about like an Indo-Canadian person oh. accent well, that's what I'm trying to find out is if that is the same okay. thing. Because from what I can tell, it's not. Okay. Yeah. So, He's it's a freaking dis- real thing. And do you yeah. know why? Yeah. Because I have, and like we're going to step a little into race here. I have had phone conversations with people on the phone. And then I'll get off the phone and I'll meet this person. And they're like, oh, we didn't know you were Indian. You didn't yeah. sound Indian. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Certain Indian people, whether they were born here or not, have like a certain. You don't have that accent. I don't. Yeah. But the reason yeah. why is because a my Punjabi sucks, <laughs> like it's so bad. Um, and second of all, I grew up in a primarily English speaking household. Right. So like that both my parents sense. speak English. Oh, I see. We like it's yeah. I like the amount that I speak Punjabi is very well was mm-hmm. very very um minimal mm-hmm. hence why i don't mm-hmm. right so i kind of grew up and like english was my first language right see i can speak to that because mine is like i speak punjabi at home but i like i think in english and i <laughs> and i went to school like i'm born and raised here went to school here but some words i'm just shitty at. <laughs> like like just say, just saying but it but, it's, but it's also terminology like i grew up in abbotsford but i i realized because i went to a particular high school that had mostly an Indo-Canadian population and then I switched over to a different school which is a complete opposite and I'd be throwing words like buddy guy dude and emphasizing every single word and they'd be like why do you talk like that and I'm like I don't know but but I do think that that there is a little bit of a shift yeah yeah there is yeah there's definitely but, but you're saying no so I just I want to hear so what it is that I've from my experience talking to a lot of Indo-Canadians that Surrey has its own unique accent. So listen to both of you. You don't sound like you're from Surrey to me, and I can identify that because you don't. To me, your voices and the way you say your vowels. And I can, there's a lot of linguistics behind it, but like the gist of it is the way you say your vowels and also the word emphasis used and your choice of vocabulary doesn't reflect the average Surrey person I hear. Mm-hmm. And it might be because you're wait, on a wait, podcast. Wait. Is but... it higher or lower vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> level? Oh, um, than the just, average Surrey well, person. Because y'all, mean, we going hard on Surrey right uh, now. It's just <laughs> we different. love you, Surrey. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. One thing I'll say is that Surrey people have higher vocabularies. They can speak like that because not not higher than yeah. you, but not like that. I mean, as in they have access not to higher a higher vocabulary. Yeah. Like they have access to one because, for example, when I'm talking to teachers in high school, they can say these words and they can speak properly. But when they're talking to their friends, they choose not to because that's their accent. Totally. So you have two, everyone has two little accents. You have two codes, we call them linguistics, where one of them is for upper class, one is for lower class. If you're talking mm-hmm. to your friends, you just speak how you want. <laughs> talking to teachers, you speak more upper class and higher vocabulary. So everyone has that. But I'm examining that Surrey lower class kind of colloquial chat. That's more what I'm looking okay. into. So kind of just like that, like, really easy like easy conversation spontaneous conversation what people talk about with their friends that kind of thing that's what i'm studying because the upper class one is basically the same as what you guys like it sounds just like any other person from the west coast that's Mm -hmm. more like the west coast canadian slash washington oregon accent the shared accent between those 
the two states and then our our province. Really? Yeah, shared accent between those three. So you're basically saying that BC, Washington, Oregon have like a shared accent. Yeah, it's called the um the Cascadian accent, I believe. It's just a it's a, a California Northern California shares part of it, mm-hmm. and then San Francisco area has many like it heavily influences us. It's not the other yeah. way around, sadly. Like they influence us, not us yeah. influencing them. Things like saying like all the time, and also the oh like that that sound is from California. We get that oh, there, okay. and that's shared among Oregon, Washington, and us. But there are, of course, differences between all three, but, you know. It's, and is yeah. that also, like, one thing I've realized that I really do is I do, like, a hard R. Yeah. When yeah. I talk, is that a Cascadia yeah, thing as def- well? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Definitely yeah. R's are really heavy around here. Just, yeah. Just is. I don't, I don't know so why cool. yet, but so it's, cool. it is. Just... Like, when I'll be saying certain words, I'll mm. realize that I'm, like, I said words. Yeah. And that R was, yeah. like, a really heavy. Well, that, that's, like, in North America in general, we have much heavier R's than, for say, for in Britain or for India much heavier R's in North America, like across the whole continent. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, especially on the West Coast, quite heavy. Because even in Boston or New York, they say ka. They don't say car, how we do. Yeah. So, you know, they have little things. But even then, ka is still more of an R than the British ka, where they don't even True. say it at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah. in general, R's are heavy here. But especially on the West Coast, we have very heavy R's. Wow. Guys, we have brought so much to you today. There's so much learning. I know. <laughs> I feel like we, like, wow. I don't even yeah. know. I just... Um, before we finish off I kind of just want to say how I think overall we didn't even get to talk about the movie yeah (laughs) look you got him off let's talk about the movie no. Okay, okay. No, no, no. We, okay, let's Make go. Make it extra long for the, the, yeah. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I like, I love, okay, let me say, <laughs> I love that right now in this room that there's different age groups, but how we can really come together yeah. to voice mm-hmm. how, yeah, we're, there's different age groups, but the way that you find your passion or your heart towards something, like, for example, linguistics, um, filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, nursing, marketing like like you still have that heart and yeah. passion for it but it's all like realizing yeah despite the age and stuff we all need each other so yeah, yeah. word there you go yeah no okay. that's that's really cool like honestly and i know it's like such a shitty thing to say but like i because i like feel older like i always think about like the 21 year old me and i was like i would never like at the age i'm at now i would never want to hear the first thing that came out of my mouth but i think that our conversation that we're having right now is such a great realization that we shouldn't have like ageism um, because that it's a thing. Um, And I feel like a lot of us, you know, try to avoid having conversations or certain conversations with people of different ages Mm -hmm. because we just think that they're not going to understand. I get along with most of the people are way older than me or way younger than me. Mm. I don't except him. He's an an exception. He's an exception. Let me tell you some funny stuff from the movie. Okay. Yeah, you, funny you experiences. Tell us. tell us some funny... What were... Because like, I feel like we're getting too serious. Yeah. I'm not really that serious of a person. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Let's all. get into some, yeah. like, fun stuff. Yeah. So, uh, funny story. Actually, Tarek, you can move now. <laughs> <laughs> You're too close. I'm joking. I'm joking. That was great, I'm by out. the way. I'm Thank you. <laughs> uh, he gets a feature on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> IMDb credit. Yeah. He'll be there. So... Yeah. Uh, funny. So shooting this movie was like really hard, but it was really funny and it was a crazy experience. So last, I think it was the second. So six days we shot the movie. Shot the movie in six days, and on day five we had uh, we were shooting in a club because it was a club scene. So um, we had forty extras that we had called up, and we had put out like a like a story saying that if you want to do this, please sign up. So forty signed up. Wow. And they were like, uh, because so, we need to make the club packed, and then with camera we can cheat it, right? So the the thing was they would get um, free pizza, right? And they just have to just be in the scene. They have to say anything, no dialogue. Yeah. And thirty didn't show up. What? <laughs> no. Thirty canceled last minute because it's like it's funny they weren't canceled today because even I didn't know the movie would be in theaters would be this big deal. But at that time they're like, like it's probably nothing. Thirty didn't show up, and we I had bought like thirty pizza boxes. So everyone took home a pizza box. <laughs> so 10 showed up. I don't know how we pulled this off, but the movie looks like it's packed with 10 people. So I think I saw like a scene somewhere. In the, from the club. Yeah, yeah. I saw a few too. From the club. And it legit looks like it's like <laughs> yeah. a full house. Like, yeah. Like- Me and my DOP, my a DOP is a director of photography. Uh, they shoot the movie. So she, um, 
change the lens and we were problem solving. So much of the sh- shooting was just problem solving on the spot. So we just changed the lens, told people to do this, had someone like walk back and forth at the same time. And we just did that. And yeah. we had the lights. So all that stuff visually makes it look packed. So yeah. that's how we solved the problem. Oh gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that's so cool that you were able to like problem solve that. So, so before, like... before we problem solved though, we sent some of our um, crew members to the brown social house across the street say if they, if there's anyone there who wants to be in a movie tell them we'll give them free pizza don't eat our browns don't pay a bill come we have free pizza <laughs> so we sent them across the street oh my gosh what club was this if you don't mind it me wasn't asking. even a club that's the other thing it wasn't a club <laughs> we made it look like a club what was it so we wanted to shoot at tap house mm-hmm. okay? okay i like the aesthetic of that this it was awesome tap house <laughs> yeah um that was because, there like two weeks ago <laughs> at, in, at guilford yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so um the owner of tap house was like hey guys awesome we'll let you do it right so three weeks before shooting this guy goes mia right and i'm like yo so are we can we come and he you know we went into again i love tap house the food's like not bad but i went into tap house and the guy was like uh or sorry the the i think it was the waitress i was like hey is the manager in and she's like no but like I literally saw him at the back, right? And, and this happened four or five times, mm-hmm. right? So, and we had contacted a bunch of other clubs. And first of all, we had, I, I didn't have a reputation as a filmmaker back then. So it's harder to get permission. Yeah. Um, so many reasons. Um, so we, we went to, me and my DOP were like just driving and we came across this pub in White Rock called Sawbucks Night Pub. <laughs> and we went in and it's like the whitest place ever. And it's all like 70 plus people. Like, they're all, like, 70-year-olds or older, right? Oh, my God. It's, like, poker and, and like, all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Like, like, even the music is, like, country music, <laughs> right? It's, it's uh, definitely different than, like, the yeah. actual film vibe. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Different from what we wanted yeah. from the location. And um, uh, we I went in and I asked the guy if we could do this. And he was more than happy just to have something shooting there, right? And um, he he's, like, I, you can do it for free. But if you want to use our 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 um, pop machine, we're like Coke, Seven Up, all that stuff, or coffee or whatever, just give us a hundred bucks and you have unlimited drinks. Yeah. Right. So I was like, well, I mean, that saves us food costs. So we did that. So we went and then my art art director, he like like made like set up everything up and made it look like a club. And we use specific portions of the pub in the film so that you're not seeing something that would look like a pub, and then it would break the the illusion yeah. of it. Okay, so wait, I've, I've just before we get further yeah, yeah, into yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so this place, like, is this like a pub that anyone can walk into? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we need to give these people a shout out and everyone needs to freaking go there. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> these are, they're lifesavers. Yeah. They're lifesavers. They have a special thanks in the beginning of the film. Like, yeah, without them, this wouldn't be possible. And like, there was no other club that wanted to take us seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, I feel like now it's easier be contact mm-hmm. them yeah come on come 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 do it but it's just one of those things that you, it's just one of those deal things you have to yeah. deal with early on yeah mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was i just like telling the story because it's you wouldn't expect the story from seeing the film yeah yeah no oh gosh yeah. that's so funny yeah, that's that's pretty amazing um so what are some other things that like you want people to take away from the film like is there i know you said you didn't really want to have like i don't know if i have the answer to that question i think yeah. everyone takes something different, different. yeah there's so many different subtle subplots in the film yeah. that some people pick up on and different than the main story. So everyone think I think is going to connect with something differently. Yeah. My only thing is that I hope it's not a boring film. Yeah. And that's just my insecurity as a filmmaker. Is yeah. I'm always going to be like, oh, are they liking it? Are they liking it? Yeah. But I don't, I don't think anyone's found it boring. But mm-hmm. it's just like, I hope you just go watch and, and, and yeah. like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so where has it already played? Where yeah. can people perhaps see it in the future? Mm-hmm. Like any of that kind of information? So it, we've had our, we had our premiere at Landmark Cinemas in Guilford. Um, we had our second screening there as well. Um, basically screenings cost money to put it into, get your movie mm-hmm. in a theater. There's like a whole process of even getting into a theater. Like you have to get licenses and all this kind of stuff. And to get rated by the censor board. So it's rated 18A. Um, we are planning uh, two more shows for next month in a theater. So stay tuned on my social media, which yeah. is at Interfere Sodi or at Monster 2019. Um, and I and it will be playing at the South uh, Vancouver South Asian Film Festival on the 16th of November, or like during that festival. I don't know if it's the 16th. Um, and then by the end of the year, our plan is to put it on digital platforms. So that's the goal. 
That's awesome. That's yeah. so great. Um, I think the best way to watch the film is in the theater. Like when I saw it, I, I was like, I made this. It feels, it's a whole different aura when you're in a theater. Yeah. And you see that film. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, make sure you like keep us connected with that. And we'll definitely like share that across our platform uh-huh. and get kind of like the people that, um, that are following us on our Instagram page yeah. and whatnot. And we'll definitely share that. Are we ending the podcast? No, we don't have to end the podcast. We're not ending well, I, the I podcast. Was, I feel like I had so many good stories. To yeah, you tell us. Stuff. And you we want to. I just kind of wanted to have oh, that sure. in yeah. there yeah. just to like jump in, yeah. just be like, here. I feel like I've just uh, bored the audience with like, yeah, I was doing this. Then I went to high no. school. Then I went no, we love that. But <laughs> but you know what? Like for, for me, that's very uninteresting. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. Well, no, that's actually, I actually really like that because for say like the average individual that is listening, um, it pretty much just shows us that, you know, that if they have a dream, maybe they felt this way. Maybe in right. high school, they felt like they were the only ones. Maybe they got, not saying that there was bullying per se, yeah. but maybe they, in a circumstance, were had a negative experience. Maybe they've had dreams they've got to know too as well, yeah. right? So yeah. I think it's very encouraging and inspiring to see the mm-hmm. initial steps right, right. of like yeah. of like growth. And now you're like, you know what? Here I am. You know, I am following my passion and heart and I'm putting this out there for others but it's also like a little bit of motivation that you know what you you are human Mm -hmm. you you had the passion you these are the things that shaped you towards doing it and then this is how you lived it out so we actually loved hearing about it I think that's amazing to hear Uh yeah yeah but like we we want to hear all about monster and and your little amazing story so well I used to be very scared of telling these stories (laughs) <laughs> the situation I was in and you'll know why mm-hmm. but now I look back I'm just like no it was part of the journey so um I had an experience uh it's funny all the stuff is scary but now it's funny mm-hmm. I uh was uh being sued no yeah and uh a lot of people did not want this movie to get made and one of them was a police officer and uh crazy i i i everyone involved in this project i did not know beforehand everyone was a stranger so i was meeting new people so i was like meeting 100 150 people and out of the, that i i got a team of 32 35 people and one of the people i met was this cop and because I, I needed someone to kind of be like a guide to kind of you know say like oh this is realistic or this is not realistic you know to so i have my sort of groundwork in the right and um this person wasn't didn't seem like he was really interested in the cause of the film or the film itself it seemed like it was more a, a credential thing for him mm-hmm. so that combined with a lot of people i'd met um who had had very unfortunately negative experiences with him they had been like physically threatened and verbally threatened and um so due to that i decided to part ways very respectfully i didn't mention any reasons um but that turned into a months and months of calls from him from mm-hmm. private numbers threatening i think i guess his ego had gotten hurt um but it's just like really unfortunate that you have someone who is quote-unquote gang prevention and i'm making a movie on gang violence and for that person to kind of get and be an obstacle in my path it's it's ironic um and there's a whole other bunch of bunch of people who just and that, that that got really tough because like i was like i'm just like 20 i don't know how to make a movie or do this or mm-hmm. go all the way and I've, i'm already having a hard time putting it together and keeping my team focused mm-hmm. and i have all these other people are trying to and it just like it it's been a really spiritual journey this last year making this movie because it's made it's i've gone i've i i wouldn't i've learned so much that i wouldn't have learned in school and i've grown so much that i wouldn't have grown otherwise yeah on how to deal with people on how to um how to make it more easy for future projects because I was scared, you know, I did not know what to do. I mean, yeah. luckily I came across some great people who got me in touch with other great people and I, you know, filed some, filed a report and everything and that, and I had recorded the phone calls too. So mm-hmm. that put an end to all that mm-hmm. and it felt good, but it was really scary. I was scared for my life, the way I was being threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was going to, I was going to get killed and stuff. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. There's some people who have that kind of time. <laughs> to do that to people yeah i i always talk about um ego and just like how when anybody has an ego it's usually we always say it's it's always more about other people than it is about like you 
mm-hmm. people are always fighting their own internal things and yeah. have their own internal battles yeah. that like usually when things happen in life um mm-hmm. and like someone's making you feel a certain way or doing certain things it's usually way more to do with them than it yeah. has to do with mm-hmm. anything that you're doing or mm-hmm. what you're you know what you're trying to accomplish Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. yeah, and then it's also like on your own self how to react to their own personal way of handling it yeah. as well. Yeah, and I th- and I, we have an episode on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, that's episode two. Yeah, 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 go back, listen to episode two. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask, how were you able to keep your um those? Did you say there's about thirty two? Mm-hmm. How were you able to keep them going? Like um, involved, yeah. right? Was there some sort of incentive, like? I know for the bar scene, you had pizza. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. no, oh yeah. my gosh, I, mean, I would show up. You, you, can't, you can't use pizza with these guys. Like, yeah, it's, but it's, it's like a commitment, right? You can't yeah. just film one person in one scene and then them not show up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right? exactly. So, well, that's that's part of the fear. It's like, so I'll get into this. Um, um, I think primarily the incentive for everyone on the team was a story. Everyone connected to it in in their own way, and I think that was just made me feel really good because it was a compliment to my writing that mm-hmm. these people are not gangsters, they're not involved in, on this kind of stuff, but they connect on a human level to the story. So I think everyone was very passionate about the story, and that's why they held on. And I think it was a really good opportunity to be in a film. Like, I mean, how often do you get to work on a film, let alone be in one? Mm-hmm. I think that was just I think it was about, that was about it. But I also like I personally enjoy, um, or I guess I would say enjoyed being friends with people i work with because it just opens up communication better and you can work with them more easily there there's people have to act in front of strangers it becomes more easy when you're all friends right mm-hmm. um totally. but i think that did become a bit of a disadvantage to me again i'm indebted to the people who worked on this film um the product wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all their contributions but like again it's so many different personalities you're dealing with so people have their own egos and things that clash and they get in the way so a lot of times actors can be very very difficult and unreasonable and those are issues that i not as a director but as a producer have to deal with to have people on set again like you said if i shoot a scene with someone and they have another scene the next scene they don't show up that's a huge issue it's like your whole film is gone yeah you know yeah they're like after we start right and then that you're missing and i can't i I couldn't afford to restart Mm because we were rehearsing for six months for this story i intentionally chose non-actors with a mix of some actors um to bring that rawness out in the film and to do that you have to rehearse so we rehearsed for six months um and it's a lot of work that everyone put in but i couldn't afford to be like okay now you're out and i gotta go find someone else because mm-hmm. i i had to shoot by december and i had to release by this year then i can work on my next film like i'm very like i have a long plan kind of thing so i was very honestly i felt the god's hand on me the whole time like it, i was this close to the movie not being able to mm-hmm. come out and not being finished um you know a lot of unprofessional things that we have to deal with like me and the production staff so that includes people like Tarek or the ADs and stuff like that we have to deal we're managing everything we have to deal with like if an actor is getting high on set it's like get high on your own time mm-hmm. don't worry you know and we or if you have minors on set don't bring in alcohol we've already given disclaimers but yeah people taking it unprofessionally and those things become a huge issue because clearly some people who are some people who are like um doing that mm-hmm. they're obviously not taking the work seriously and it's unfortunate because sometimes you see actors who then get to see the final product and mm-hmm. it's like oh crap it was like this big yeah i wish i just had like taken it seriously yeah. and that's unfortunate but um as a first-time filmmaker those things you have to deal with right you have to deal with people and every filmmaker has dealt with this at one point in their career you have to deal with it it's just totally on real real quick we always talk about fears and facing your fears and the importance of that yeah um what are maybe three of like your top yeah. fears mm-hmm. when you kind of went into building the movie and creating okay. it. And... I'm going to take my biggest fear of life in general. Okay. But, but actually I like that question more, but so my biggest fear. So why, why don't you do your biggest fear in life yeah. and then do your top three fears okay. about the movie, whether it was yeah. before you started, while yeah. you were in the process. So my biggest fear in life is I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking that I wish I'd done something that I could have done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live on uh, what I call like an unfulfilled life kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, man, I want to die. And like, I could, I did everything. Yeah. yeah. Got my heart broken. I broke some hearts. And I did everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, my three fears for the movie, though, was first one was I make a movie that is a complete um, failure in terms of its content. 
that it's not connecting to anyone. Mm-hmm. I didn't do justice to the culture. I didn't do justice to what I'm portraying story-wise. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Like you can make the most beautiful-looking film with the most expensive equipment, but there's no content. No one's going to watch yeah. it. Um, the other fear was, again, with the cop and all these people who were trying to stop the film. Because yeah. it was serious. Like they were trying to send court orders to my house and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, my mom is already like... Put, has put so much faith in me yeah. to make a film and now she has to deal with her son with this issue and I could never put that on my parents yeah. for them to deal with like legal mm-hmm. stuff you know because yeah. um, I mean you know I think I have the, 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 the same typical brown issue stuff that happens in everyone else's household um, I don't know if I another fear I mean what was like a, a post production everything's done now post about- I mean there's there's different kinds of like they all, they all like, go down to the sphere of not making a good film. Yeah. But like, it was like when you're in post production, like, man, I wish we had done this shot differently, or, um, man, why didn't I think of this scene there? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, last question. Right. Before we end it, uh, what would you say to people <laughs> who are trying to find, kind of like. A life of purpose like you've I feel like over and over you have kind of mentioned you know you lead with your heart uh-huh. um you kind of that's how you make decisions you would never want to be on your deathbed and like um you know die with like an unfulfilled life and uh-huh. all those are such like huge statements to make um and I think that there's a lot that people can learn from that in terms of like how to get there mm-hmm. so what is some advice that you could give our listeners to kind of like are, I, I, I feel like, like you have set the question up so beautifully and I have no answer for <laughs> yeah. it well it's like if, like if somebody like for me if there if was I'm a the, passion the, like, I'm not I don't know if I'm the right person or qualified to even be like I'm not even anywhere think, in my career yet but I don't think anybody's qualified Nobody I think is. we all have a path and yeah. I think that perhaps the path that That's you're the perfect taking answer. Like I feel like everyone finds it one point yeah, yeah, yeah I like mean? that. Yeah. Some filmmakers don't make their first film until they're 36. Yeah, that's totally, totally fine. I just feel yeah. like, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. How about um, for those that are a little bit um, for like the age group of like young adults? Oh, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> 2021, recently graduated. Um, I'll tell you something. There's one quote I always live by. Yeah. And I, I won't um, I won't say the exact quote, but I'll rephrase it. It's like, just you have nothing to lose totally yeah you really don't have nothing to lose it's yeah. like yeah, i'm the guy who took that quote too seriously yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lose anything the, yeah. there's a, a steve jobs poster and it has this quote on it the one i'm talking about and it's like you came naked you're gonna go naked so yeah like, mm-hmm. like it doesn't yeah you have i mean like i always say like if this doesn't work out i can always go back to school yeah <laughs> yeah totally and yeah, it's not like i'm gonna be making money in fact in fact it's not like I'm going to be making money right now if I was my third year. I mean, at least in my occupation, I know it's very hard to get a job right away after graduating from film school. Yeah. I've made, like, more money made with this film than I've made with any of my part-time jobs combined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, again, I didn't expect this, yeah. but it's just one of those, it's a fruits of your labor kind of thing. You gotta, yeah. it is a risk. And it doesn't necessarily mean that mm-hmm. whatever you want to do has to be really yeah. risky. Some yeah. people, like, mm-hmm. maybe film is risky, some yeah. other occupations aren't. It's just a matter of, just do what you want to do right. and like yeah. i was gonna be an uh, astronaut and i like that just as much as this right so, and, and that mm. risk involves you investing in it right so all the time the energy that's what the it's, it's investing right? yourself you're yeah invest- you were investing in, in yourself, yourself but you long term i was doing that. it like without knowing and exactly. now i look back i'm like oh okay, yeah right you followed your heart and yeah. then you just let it go versus saying this is already the outcome i'm not gonna do good so i'm not gonna do it what you know happens what I mean? most of the time when I, I when I meet like slightly older people than me, yeah. they always say like, "Man, it's it's okay." Not, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <I literally, laughs> my birthday's coming up, and I'm like having a crisis. So. You'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, sorry, we I, I was just saying that like sometimes I meet people, and it's always funny. This is so common. They'll be like, "What you know now? I wish I knew at your age." Yeah. But it's like, but it's like. You don't know until you know. Yeah. You can't change people's thought by just telling them. Either mm-hmm. they have to be receptive enough or they have to sometimes go through something in mm-hmm. life to change them, bad or good. They have to yeah. meet a certain person. Like you can't I can't just sit here and talk some and say something and it's gonna change people. Yeah. I think like it's there's kinda a like, time and a place for people to hear the things that they want to yeah. hear in order. I always to use the good teacher, bad teacher example. I feel like why do some students learn some more than the others? Again, there can be 
reasons within the student, but sometimes some people are just more eager to, eager to take it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. no That's it. amazing. Yeah. I feel like we've had such a great conversation with you. This has Thank been you awesome. No, it's okay. Honestly, um, you're going to do great things. We're super excited to see the movie. Make sure you keep us updated. We will let all of our listeners know. Yeah, thank you. Um, Raman actually has a new book out, and we have it. She's like, oh, yeah. Um, she just wrote a book. Uh, do you want to quickly just go on, like, a quick yeah, two-minute blurb? See, like, I could never write a book. And, <laughs> and, I, and I was here asking, like, how do you do that? Like, I don't know how to write a book. So <laughs> it's, it's I guess it's all a process. So it's called Little <laughs> Like I don't it just come to the cups. Yeah, but not but yeah, to, exactly. Um it's called Little Hugs, Encouragement for Your Soul. It's a poetry book. Um it's about spirituality, suffering, affection, love, um, self-care, and pretty much it's about how to use self-love to love others. Um it is available at quite a few places. Um Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Friesen Press ebook on itunes kindle nook kobo still learning and then soon to come an indigo um chapters cool so stay tuned for that um and more poetry nights your way too so i'll obviously share on our page but yeah yeah yeah. great thanks so much for joining us again we'll see you again next week bye bye